Today's episode is brought to you by Arrowhead Coffee. Canadian veteran-owned Arrowhead Coffee. Coffee that inspires and supports veterans, first responders, and their families. To order your delicious Arrowhead Coffee, visit arrowhead.coffee. Now that's not arrowhead.com or arrowhead.ca, it's arrowhead.coffee on the Googleizer. And save 10% with discount code OPTR10. That's Oscar, Papa, Tango, Romeo, 10. And get yours today. At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Man, oh man, we get into the nitty-gritty on this one. So we have both Theo Fleury and Dr. Rob Tangway, a psychiatrist from the OSI clinic, and wow, 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 what a show. Uh, what we cover, the real truth of the efficacy of our current healthcare system, the problems that it's facing, just an unbelievable conversation from the psychiatrist talking about Newly and the new um, clinics that he's opening up for ketamine and the lived experience of the people that are receiving the therapy and all the pros and cons and ups and downs. So I think it's the longest episode I've done yet, but uh, it was unbelievable. So thanks for tuning in. Carve out some time. Uh, listen to it in bits and pieces if you have to. But man, oh man, what an episode. Yeah. Uh, which isn't going to cure anyone. Uh, and going back to that true biopsychosocial spiritual model where you, you really need all pieces intertwined for you. And if you miss that, uh, and, you know, this is one of the problems with addiction is there's this big movement into a biomedical model. Everybody gets naltrexone or suboxone, and and then they'll be fine. And, and, you know, the data is pretty clear they won't be. Uh, You know, less than half will be fine on, on, even on probably the best evidence is opioid uh, agonist therapy. The data is clear after a couple of years, less than 40% are still on it. Rob, the, the numbers at the OSI clinic, the, the military recovery clinic, is they post a success rate internally. I only got it because I have sources. Right. I got people. Um, <laughs> is 12%. Mm. And who knows what metrics they're using uh, for that 12%. I suspect it's actually a lower success rate. And one of the, from the user's end of things, you know, what mm. me and Dio I think would both agree on is it's because the symptoms keep getting treated instead of the causes Uh that there's uh oh your chemicals are off your dopamine your cortisol so let's just balance that shit out as opposed to um they're they're chasing their tail they're 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 looking at the elephant from the tail and thinking that it's a rope you know they're not seeing the elephant and 
what it actually is, is like, no, this emotional damage from this trauma is the reaction of that is the change in your chemicals and your dopamine and your cortisone, you know, uh, you, and by it's why it fails so much. And it's so hard to dial in uh, when you're just giving people pills because the cause is what's causing the, the, the imbalance. But now is the medical profession starting to finally fucking admit that or they're just like, nope, your chemicals off. Let's balance your chemicals. Uh, You know, so when I, I work at the OSI, how do you feel about that? Like, do you, do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Uh, That's my keys. Sorry. Uh, Yeah, no. So when I meet a patient at the OSI, the first conversation I have with them is, you know, we're going to talk about medications, but medications are there to treat symptoms so that you can do the therapy to dig out the root. And then when you're in the maintenance phase, i.e. you've completed therapy and things are starting to feel good for you, I'm going to take you off your meds. So I don't believe in just, you know, here's your script and uh, see you in three months. Uh, who knows what happens in three months? Uh, so uh, that is, and then we, we pick symptoms. They're struggling. So if they're struggling with sleep, we're going to pick that symptom and focus on helping someone sleep. I mean, first of all, you sleep, your everything gets better when you mm-hmm. get better sleep. So I'm going to help with that process. But I'm certainly not going to give you a bunch of benzos and, uh, you know, drugs that are going to last you a couple months, then you mm-hmm. can't get off of them and you're all screwed up. And I'm sorry, uh, I forget, are you a psychiatrist or psychologist? I, I'm a psychiatrist. I'm, a, okay. I'm an MD. You're yeah. a straight up shrinker. I'm a shrink. Yeah. 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 That's a great thing well, to bring to a party, by the way. You know, <laughs> it was awesome. The thing about tell me about your relationship with your father. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I'm not a Jedi Knight. <laughs> the, the thing about medication is it comes in synthetic form. Yeah. Okay. So when I put anything synthetic in my body, my body doesn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what happens is is keep going. I gotta fix you know, mic. what happens. Is where it where, yeah, it might work, but I'm left with the remnants of the synthetic version of what you're giving me. So now my kidneys, my liver, my uh, intestines are overworking, which causes all of these different side effects, right? And so, what I love about you know the psychedelics is they come in their natural state in their natural form, and when I put them in my body. My body knows what to do with it, yeah. knows how to process it, knows how to get rid of it, you know, all of these things. And so, um, you know, perfect example is, is you know, uh, the drug that we produce in our body, which is the drug of love and connection, is oxytocin. Yeah. Okay. So the pharmaceutical companies created a drug called Oxycontin. And when you look at the two underneath the microscope, they look pretty much the same, except... It's one little extra arm on Oxycontin, (laughs) which gets us crazily addicted to it. And so what it does, and when I work with people who have heroin, fentanyl, opioid addictions, is why do you guys get hooked on it so much? And they say, because it gives me the warm and fuzzy feeling. Yeah. So to me, that comes back to relationship. Yeah. That, you know, I was abandoned, neglected. I don't feel good enough. I'm not lovable. Do I even exist? And so the drug, Oxycontin, replaces relationship. Yeah. And so when we're coming off 
of any kind of substance, we got to recreate that relationship with the drug with, you know, a group or people, people, right. You know, and that's how we get our oxytocin and that's what helps decrease our levels of cortisol production and cortisol is like acid in the body. What I've heard from you, Theo today, and um, maybe I'm just looking at it through a certain lens, but is connection and connect. So what I've been saying for a while, and I'd like from, from both of you, if if you're on board with this Mm -hmm. idea or not, to me, uh, the pain of trauma is because of the disconnection it costs. Uh, it causes disconnection from your true self. Mm-hmm. I often hear from uh, tra- trauma survivors, oh, "I wish that I that I was still that person." You know, I I miss the person that I used to be, mm-hmm. and because you are now disconnected, out of alignment with that person. And um, it's not just yourself, but uh, when you're out of alignment with yourself, you're out of alignment with others, with other relationships. And again, that means disconnection. And that disconnection is the pain because we're pack animals. We like to be together. We we, we like to be able to trust each other. That's where we get that warm, fuzzy safety, right? And it takes us a while to develop those relationships. But that's why why I got a hug from you at the door, right? Because it's good to see you again, man. I didn't get a hug. Well, just, just well, you got to earn that shit. <laughs> You're a fucking dodgy psychiatrist. Yeah, I know, you know, I know, I know. That's fucking, uh, <laughs> what I do. I, I live in the dodgy world too. <laughs> but that, uh, and this is where I think, um, at least my experience with psilocybin, is that it, it creates a sense of connection again with both myself, gets me in alignment with myself, with my subconscious, and, and it gets sort of balanced out, but also in touch with um, uh, with the creator, whatever that is for a person, with yeah. With, with nature, with yeah. life. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I am closer to others because of that. Yeah. And it, it, so it's creating that connection with yourself that I believe is the gift of psychedelics from my experience. Yeah, I, look, I, I kind of look at psychedelics like five hours of psychedelic treatment is like five years of seeing Freud. Yeah. And if Freud would have kept going past cocaine, you know, he realized cocaine wasn't helping things. Uh, if he would have kept experimenting with a few more, but he it is a good time, right? Yeah. No, no, I'm not. But it is a good time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not questioning the <laughs> night of the, the day after maybe not so yeah. great, uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it, it, it really, that's what it is. I mean, Freud spent his entire life trying to help people build insight about themselves. Why am I the way I am? Why do I act the way I act? What happened to me in the past that led to all of this? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it takes years to dig into that and figure it out, whereas one psychedelic experience can replace all those years. Right. And so then you take that and you, you wrap it around kind of skills of how do I cope and what do I do when and how do I deal with. And suddenly, you know, I, I, I like saying I don't just save lives, I try to change lives yes. for, forever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time in the opioid world and uh, I often say the opposite of addiction isn't just connection, it's relationship. Yes. It's, it's that long-term connection to someone who's non-judgmental and supportive. And, uh, you know, I, I get quite frustrated with a lot of the current practices that doctors are doing of, you know, I'll see you every uh, three months for 15 minutes. And it's like, okay, how the fuck is one, ye- one hour a year going to change someone's life? No. It ain't. It's, it's useless. It's, it's like, well, we just want it's to replace. It's a business model. Well, it's a big business model. It's uh, yeah. millions yeah, but, of dollars. But you guys have priced yourself out of the market also. 
Ah, uh, well. You know what I mean? So it's like... The what's the what's the, the range now? About 120 an hour to what? What does it go to? It all depends. Those are the psychologists. Yeah. I'm free. Yeah. No, I, 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 get, I get that part. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, real help yeah. is, you know, expensive, right? You're looking at a guy who spent a million dollars on therapy, right? Yeah. yeah. Good segue. I wanted to ask you, I'll throw you under the bus a little bit, Rob. I'm all right with it. All right. So when you hear a guy like... Theo, a yeah. million bucks, 10,000 fucking hours of therapy and a move the needle, what, that much? Mm-hmm. That's fair? Yeah. Now, that's got to hurt a little to hear that, being that this is your life calling and, yeah. you know, your profession. Uh, it, it, uh, it strengthens my resolve that the system is pretty fucking broken. Yeah. And uh, you're not alone. Yeah. And there, there's so many. I mean, the advantage that you've had is, is the resources to do that. Uh, there are so many people that have no resources, no ability to do any sort of treatment other than someone writing them a prescription. Yeah. And we wonder, you know, how do we take somebody, you know, living on the street uh, with horrific traumas in their background, now addicted to whatever is helping them avoid the shit in their head? Yeah. And how do we help that person become functional? And uh, I unfortunately have to constantly hear, well, we'll make sure that there's a safe place for them to use their drugs. And uh, we'll make sure there's access to replacements for their drugs. And it's like, well, what about the trauma therapy? What about digging the roots? I mean, we as a healthcare system are really good at picking dandelion heads, but uh, our lawn is always full of dandelions. I mean, we don't get to the root of the issue. We just constantly keep treating symptoms, as you mentioned earlier. And... uh, You know, that is the biomedical model. If I'm an internist, my job is to treat the symptoms of your heart problems. Uh, If uh, I'm a neurologist, I'm going to treat the symptoms of the the stroke in your brain. Uh, But but that all comes back to trauma. It's like you're in a. It's like you're you're in a boat. It's fucking leaking, yeah. and in, you know instead of patching bucket. the god, yeah, here's your bucket, yeah. and it's like, well, uh, we have to give you a bigger bucket. This one, like the, the water's still coming in. Here's a bigger fucking bucket. Yeah. Oh, okay, now the prescription's working. Look at that. Yeah, the, the the core of every single issue we have in society is trauma. Sure, it is. It's and nobody talks about trauma as being the root cause of all of this stuff. I, I, right, and that's the stigma. Fact. Yes, that's the stigma that's attached yes. as an advocate and an activist in the space all day long. I fight stigma. Why? Because nobody wants to hear that yeah. I was raped 150 times by my coach. Nobody wants to hear that. Right, right. But my experience is when I shared my story, I got completely run over by people who were seeking right. me out to tell me their sexual abuse story or history. Right, right. So, to me. We don't need fucking drugs. We, we we need like hard, difficult conversations around the subject of trauma. I like it. You a know? big part of getting rid yeah. of that stigma, it occurs to me listening to you guys, is if we go to the downstream extreme of, of trauma, you know, yeah. not just suicide, but let's look at the invisible people, at the homeless, yeah. right? Uh, they're all there because of trauma. Every yeah. fucking one <laughs> every, of them. Every one of them. Just stop doing drugs. Uh, no, you fucking idiot. You know, you judgmental motherfucker. Yeah. That's not what it is. Correct. The people are on the streets and they're all fucked up like a soup sandwich because of trauma. The the drugs that they're on is to mask a pain of a trauma. That's you know, yeah. and, and I was one of those judgmental them. motherfuckers. Just get a job, guys, too. You know, sure. I was a prick, too. 
Yeah. But um, uh, but now I understand. It's like, oh shit, I was a prick. That's that sucks. Yeah, These but, people but are suffering, but you're also traumatized too, there it and is. your trauma showed up in that way. Interesting, that because you're, you're not tolerating anything. You can't tolerate yourself. How are you going to tolerate other people? <laughs> you know what I mean. So it's like you know. So there, there is uh, my belief of policing is we have a lot of traumatized officers. There's a lot of stigma about asking for help because that's weakness. And I cannot be weak. It's and, the ultimate. You know, try, that's the stigma, it's right? It's the ultimate in courage. Yeah, and that's the people that when they do come for help and uh, they start putting things, to, and of, of course, we see a lot of them a year before retirement, right? Yeah. And like, yeah. okay, I want to fix myself now. Yeah. Like, fuck, if you would have come 20 years ago. Yeah. But, but there's another thing, self-care. Yeah. Nobody talks about self-care. A cop friend of mine in Houston is going through a hell of a patch right now. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, actually, when I reached out to you, our mutual friend, um, uh, Leonard Burrard, he's a First Nations fella, um, one of the most beautiful souls you'll ever meet. And he had a stroke. Now, we looked after him. We were respite workers. So he's developmentally challenged, or whatever the right term is now, you know, anything but the R word. Yeah. And um, so we lived together. We lived with them to look after him, uh, both him and, and uh, there was two of them at the time. So anyway, um, uh, had a stroke and was not expected to be anything but a vegetable. Half his brain was dead is what we were right. told. Son of a bitch is making a recovery. Nice. He's actually able to speak like what makes no sense but we had written him off we thought he was dead for sure when i when i reached out to theo like, so what do i do here light a fire smudge what right. you know uh, so i did what i was supposed to do but there you go th- th- that uh, i did there you go well right? actually i'll tell you a story about that before i tell uh my friend in in houston who's um uh it's his house that um that leonard's uh living in but um so I wanted to honor him because we wrote him off like he's he's done, right? He's a vegetable. He's never, ever coming back. Just shows you doctors are not always right because yeah. he's actually having conversations and sitting up now. It's like, what? Impossible. But he is. So I uh, I don't have any sage. So I used to, but I don't have any sage, so I couldn't do a smudge. So I light a, a fire in the fire pit area there and um, in tears, you know, because I love this man. Like, if you ever met him, it would take about three seconds to figure mm-hmm. out why I love him as much right. as I do, right? He's just such a special dude. But anyway, I get the fire uh, prepared really carefully because I want to do it, you know, I was just being mindful and careful and respectful. And as I'm just about to light it, a freaking falcon, I never see falcons. A falcon shows up, lands in the tree, right? And then... And then looking right at me and then talking away, just chattering away at me. He's like, this is weird. So I said, hi, Leonard. You know, just expected that maybe that's him. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I lit the fire. As the smoke rose, I looked back and he was gone. It was just, it was so fucking cool. But anyhow, um, the point of, of all this rambling is that uh, on with Leonard on top of some really shitty policing things that are going on for him right now, child sex crimes, just blah, yeah. the worst, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's tipping him over. So uh, we're good enough friends that he'll listen to me. And uh, I said, look, dude, but I, you know I've been down this road. Get on it fast. They just suck it up, buttercup, make yeah. the call, and talk to somebody, not once, 
but for the next six weeks, yeah. once or twice a week for the next six weeks. Because if you get on it early, it really mitigates the downstream effects. Well, and that's how you eliminate post-traumatic stress is when it when the event happens, if you have somebody yeah. who is compassionate, empathetic, whatever, talk it out, then it doesn't layer in your body. That's it. And when it, lay, it starts to layer, and as... Uh, First responder, police, fire, all the, they're seeing trauma pretty much their whole entire. Every day. Every day. Every day. So they don't do anything for self-care. Right. They don't do anything about talking about it. And then eventually you got a guy with PTSD. Correct. Right. And so, you know, and that road back from PTSD is, is, is a, is a a bitch, is a long and winding road. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah. because, you know, I would say the majority of people don't even know what EMDR therapy is. I know. Like it's they true. don't know. It's true. I think it's unbelievable, yeah. you know, or, you know, Equan therapy, which is awesome. It's unbelievable. Awesome. Right. So these people just don't know about, you know, because we're so programmed that there's a pill or a drug that I can take that's going to, suppress right. all these symptoms right well now you're pushing stuff even further down than you know yeah and if you don't listen it, if you don't listen to why, the doctors and take your scripts yeah. you're a tinfoil hat wearing nut job but the reason why it's coming to the surface <laughs> is because your body's going i need to get rid of this correct right and and we're all taught to suck it up yep you know flush it down and then next thing you know we got you know we're having nightmares we can't sleep can't eat, you know. And then what do we do? We take a drug to yeah. get rid of the sleep yeah. and the eat yeah. and the. Yeah. I don't know how else to cope with this. And, you know, I take, uh, you know, a pill or a drug on the street or my buddy hands me this. And the first time I feel normal, mm-hmm. holy shit, it's all gone. Yeah. And then society looks at you like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like, mm-hmm. why, why are you using drugs? Well, it's the only time I don't feel fucked up. Yeah. So what else? I've got nothing. Well, it's the else. only time I don't feel sad, lonely, <clears throat> yeah, there it disconnected. Is. Yeah. you know all that stuff, right? So, yeah, all those all those thoughts turn yeah. off. Yeah. Talking about um, stigma and there's stigma around psychedelics. I shake my fucking head. There's some people with some pretty big platforms that uh, shit all over psychedelics because they don't understand them even a tiny little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, are you going to get high and blast it out of your mind? You know, drugs to fix drugs. What you know? That's they just don't understand. No. So, what can we say to the people that um, have stigmatized ideas like ketamine or psilocybin, and they see them uh, no different than meth? Yeah, I, I think um, you know, meth, so meth, meth doesn't come in its natural form. It's it's a synthetic version of speed, right? And what's speed? I don't even know. Well, it's... It's, it's amphetamine. Yeah. yeah. So it's like... It's like... Methamphetamine is a... We're going to add a little bit more to make it a little bit better. Yeah. yeah uh, it's but, like... Yeah, you know, when, when we look at... So ketamine is a great example. So here's an anesthetic that anesthesia used to put people to sleep for surgery and had some pain control. And they started realizing, wow, you know, uh, some of our veterans and some of our people struggling with mental health were doing better the hell is going on here and some of the smart anesthesiologists started putting two and two together and now that that turned into 
well, now Janssen's uh, marketing it as a, an expensive drug, but uh, it's generic, it's cheap, uh, and it absolutely works. And, you know, the, the key to this is there's 1,600 ketamine clinics around North America, and most of them are run by anesthesiologists. Yeah. And yet, even after a year and a half in this field, you know, like I'm up to my tits in, in, in this world, and I didn't know about ketamine until two months ago. Yeah, well... You know, it, <laughs> that's a that's a problem, um, and you know it, it's interesting. I think we probably wouldn't have known about psychedelics if there wasn't such a profit to be made from so many people. That that's the big buzz right now. Yeah. This is the new cannabis. We're all going to make a lot of money, uh, and you know, cannabis was a lot like a lot of other substances. It, it masked symptoms, but it didn't get to the root. Yeah, and. Uh, I think the psychedelics is a very different process where science and the MAPS group uh, really push this forward. Science is showing there is data here. This absolutely works. Yeah. Uh, and now how do we take advantage of it? And, of course, you talked about the stigma. You know, a lot of people have, have had some mushrooms around a fire with some beer yeah. and walked away thinking, well, I didn't cure my mental health. Uh, and, and so there, there's, and how many people are, are clubbing on, on ecstasy or MDMA, you know, every, every night around the world. Um, there, there's more to it than the substance. There's the relationship. There's that connection to a good therapist. There's the EMDR and, and trauma therapies like that. And then, of course, I think, Theo, you, you said such an important thing of, and, and you were talking about the layers. And if we, if we, um, if we don't treat the trauma early, that it, it really, we're, we're starting to realize that PTSD is a physiological phenomenon as well as a, as a mental or emotional phenomenon. Mm -hmm. uh, it changes cortisol levels. It changes the body as a whole. And so, you know, the question is, shouldn't we get to it early? So that's what we're trying. I'm going to plug the newly. I'm sorry. No, gotta, plug, gonna, plug away is why we're here, man. But uh, find, out, find out about the newly. You know, th this is what we want to do is we want to get people, when they start to struggle at work, get them in quickly, get them intensely treated every day, five days a week for four straight weeks, and then get them back to work to their people, to their tribe, yep. to the the you know as an officer that's one of their biggest pieces as a doc i mean i got a lot of a lot of buddies who are docs because we spent 15 years training together right and you know we're we're tight now <laughs> we, we may disagree around the campfire with some beers um but uh you know they're they're still good people and um you know the the system obviously is all about a biomedical model and you know i'm i'm a bit rogue from that area but you know at the end of the day you know, we, you need to be around your people. And that's what we want to do is get them in early so that, you know, it's not something that becomes a part of them for life. Now, of course, there's the second piece, and that's a lot of the times veterans and, and first responders at the end of their career where it, it really has become a part of their life. Uh, this is something that's going to take a bit of time and, and uh, a bit of energy to try to unravel it. Uh, but the advantage that we have is the psychedelics is one of those treatments. And, uh, you know, uh, what we want to do is try all the evidence-based first-line therapies like EMDR, mm -hmm. uh, accelerated resolution therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, acceptance commitment therapy, which I love that you're talking about. Everybody wants to live in the past. That's what acceptance is about is here you are, man. Yeah. You, can't, you can't go back. You're here. You're now. What are we going to do now? 
Yeah. And so pairing that with the psychedelic experience, which is what Yale does, the psilocybin uh, mm-hmm. protocols is with acceptance commitment therapy. So we want to throw everything at them. And if somebody still isn't getting well, okay, now we can apply for Health Canada Exemption 56 and we can apply for psilocybin or MDMA therapy. And there's no reason. I mean, we would hence call these individuals palliative in our, in our healthcare model. We've tried everything and didn't respond. They're palliative. So, you know, medicate and do our best. I could see you having some resistance with the police community seeking healing through the exact same substances that they're putting in people in jail for. Yeah. You know what's fascinating? Yeah, but, but, they but, love it. But it's... Like, not, not a, love getting a, high on there's ketamine. A difference between, <laughs> there's a difference between the street version... Mm-hmm. And the spiritual version, right? And well, they see it that way, though. I'm, I'm no, thinking there's going to be and, pushback. And there, there has to be more education, yeah. Right? You know. And, so, the, so let me ask you a question. Yeah, yeah. How much time on your degree did you spend <laughs> on spirituality? So I had to take extra courses. I, I took a, a a side evening course in medical school on dying and uh, spirituality and helping people um, with, with death. Uh, excellent doctor. Uh, really, this was completely extracurricular. Um, so so it was your choice. Was it choice. wasn't a part. And the reason why I ask this question yeah, is yeah. because when is science and spirituality going to come together? It's, a, it's, it's a, because yeah. Because that to me is the biggest problem in the medical field is the spirituality piece of, you know, there's something out there greater than a fucking pill yeah. that's going to restore me to sanity. But and can you tax it? Uh-huh. No. <laughs> so medical school is, uh, is teaching me what is the diagnosis? So what are the symptoms? What symptoms cluster to make a diagnosis? And then what pill or, uh, treatment fixes that diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, it's either a pill or a needle or a scalpel. Yeah. Uh, we do very little even in, in psychotherapy uh, and, and pretty much zero. You, you do have to go to an AA meeting. Mm-hmm. So you do. That right. is one thing that you have to do, um, which, which was a fascinating experience for me. I did yeah. it in Red Deer. And, uh, you know, we called the group and let them know we're medical students from the University of Calgary. Awesome. Uh, we're up in Pinoca doing a rotation in, in mental health, uh, and we, we need to do an AA. Can we come? And they're like, yeah, man, come on down. And, and it, was, it was pretty prototypical. Basement of a church, yeah. a lot of cigarette smoke, mm-hmm. a lot of coffee, yeah. uh, and a lot of, you know, a lot of pretty obvious fellowship and connection. And, and there were a few people that were really struggling, and you could see the group trying to reach out. And it's like, wow, man, like that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, and, and at the same time, um, you know, the, the evidence behind AA in and of itself isn't as good as AA combined with, you know, everything else that we're doing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is the narcissism sometimes of medicine is my way will work. And, and, you know, I, I get there's a disconnect, which is really unfortunate. It's big pharma's. Yeah. Yeah. Big, Big pharma owns every major disease on the planet. Well, that's how the system was created. <laughs> you know, Correct. They you know, do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you like, know? like 150 and, years ago, it was nothing but natural pass. Yeah. It's the only thing that, uh, yeah. that, that, that every doctor was an ND, a natural doctor. You know, uh, they may not have used that terminology. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 
whether it was the Rothschilds or, or, or whoever came up, it's like, Hey, so we got this pharmacological uh, stuff going on. So imagine this, imagine we build this together and we'll pay for the medical schools and, uh, and everything else, but we control the, the, uh, the textbooks and, uh, and the business model is everything you got a problem for, there's a pill. The pill, there's always a pill. Mm-hmm. And uh, think of this business model. And, and we work together in conjunction and we grow together. Mm-hmm. And that's what an MD is now. Yeah. So where are the shamans, the medicine men, and oh, yeah. all of that in this, in this yeah. equation? I, I know. They're completely underground. Yeah. You know, you have to seek them out yeah. and find them, right? You know, I, I hang out with one of the most powerful medicine men in the world down in Car- uh, Cardston. Yeah. And, you know, I've learned so much from him about medicine and, you know, the spiritual medicine, right? You know, that everything we, every disease and cure is out there. We just got to go find it, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and when we do find it, Big Pharma jumps all over it right away and oh, suppresses course. all the information, right? Oh. So, so it's like there's no spirituality in that. There's no there's no humanity in that at all. And and to me, that's my biggest uh, pet peeve is yeah. is you know when when did human life not matter? Why doesn't it matter? Why why doesn't Mark's life matter? Why doesn't my life matter? Why doesn't your life matter in the in the medical field? You know, it's 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 always about you know a band aid solution, uh, you know, for a long term problem, right? And to me, yeah. and to me, you know, five years into my own sobriety, I'm like. This is what sobriety is all about. I might as well fucking drink because I'm still angry. I'm still pissed <laughs> off. I'm still all that. And I'm. And then I remembered first three steps in the program is all about spirituality. Right. So for the last ten years, I've been on a spiritual journey trying to figure out, you know, what what is what is my definition of something greater than myself. I like it. Right. And since I grasped onto that concept, there is you can fucking throw anything at me. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get through it. Nice. Right. And, you know, I've created groups, you know, uh, all this stuff where we're having conversations that people have never had before, right. you know, and we're talking about trauma. You have a purpose. Yeah. You, you know your purpose. And everybody has a purpose. Yeah. And I think the purpose and the reason why we all go through, you know, these, uh, these experiences is to get to the other side so that I can help you through your own experience, right? Mm-hmm. That's been my experience. And and to me, that's more powerful than any drug that I've ever yeah. put in my body. So I think that is, uh, that is the, the honor and privilege of being uh, a psychiatrist. And if, you know, I try to focus on, on what I think is doing it right, and, and it's about the relationship, it's about being non-judgmental, yeah. it's about, you know, listening uh, spending time with people, uh, and and still, not everybody likes me. That's the reality, and that's yeah. that's how life is. But yep. yeah, you know, I saw your Google <laughs> reviews. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, um, well, but kidding. I, it, I, I say work on your own shit. If you don't like yeah. me, work on your own shit. Because I'm all I'm doing is I'm I'm pointing out all the things that you need to work on. 
That's that's ultimately what right. it's all about. And you got to be thick skinned, right? Like yeah. The the honor and privilege of of meeting people every day and talking about some of the most horrific things that they go through, trying not to give a silly face to them and and not yeah. reacting, which. After a while, it's hard to react because I've heard it all. Yeah. And I usually that's usually how I start my conversation with someone. Don't worry. I've heard it. Yeah. Uh, and if you surprise me, uh, I mean, that still happens sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but I'll, I'll own it as well. Like, oh, I've, I've never heard that before. I'm not judging. And, but, you know, that was a first for me. And, uh, you know, I'm still here for you. I ain't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And in our medical system, there is a profit you know, narrative there, but our medical system is designed uh, to be at the brink at all times, right? Uh, in the public healthcare system, uh, we can't we can't have people sitting around doing nothing. So we got to just be at the brink of being full because we can't spend any extra. And so, in doing that, you have a lot of burnt out people. You have a lot of burnt out docs. You have a lot of burnt out nurses. A lot of burnt out therapists. And then doing trauma therapy in and of itself is traumatizing to therapists. Yeah. So now they're, and they're often not supported well enough and, you know, doing prolonged exposure. So literally, and, and I'm sure you, you know this, but, mm-hmm. you know, you're recording your trauma and then listening to it every day. But that <clears throat> therapist has to listen to yours and then the next one and then the next one and then the next one. And then the next day does it all over again with a new group of people. And yep. then the next day all over again with a new group of people. And, and so you've got this kind of burnt out system that's always teetering on the edge and I won't go into COVID. I won't, uh, but you know, it it doesn't take much to break a system Yeah, because it's right, right on the edge because we can't spend more because it's public funding and and we don't have the money. So we're just going to fund it just enough to take care of the best that we can, but we're not going to go over and above and beyond because that would be really expensive. And so we're always on that so, edge. So why does the CEO of a pharmaceutical company need, need you know, $100 billion? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind it. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I, I agree with that. And, but that's, so why, I think that's why the capitalistic not, system we live in, right? Yeah, but there's also charity aspect to it as well, right? You know, like, Absolutely. Like yeah. I'm making all this money and what am, what am I giving back? Yeah. Well, and earlier what you were saying, um, and it kind of ties all together. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not a biblical kind of guy, but really the greatest uh, deadly of, the, of all the sins is greed. Um, sure. it, it's not money. It's the want of money. Well, but it, uh, it hits a certain point of yeah. wealth where you're not rich anymore. You're fucking powerful. Yeah. And there is no limit to having enough power. Yeah. Like well, when, Once you get that taste... You know, yeah. and uh, you will do fucking anything to protect that power. Well, that's that's the number one worst addiction to have yeah. is the addiction to power. Yeah, fair enough. I, I mean, look, I, I grew up with next to nothing. Yeah. I, I grew up with a mom who went to school at night and worked full time in the day. And we learned how to cook young and clean young. And we had expectations so that she could better herself and better us. And yeah. so, you know, I never grew up knowing about money or power or any of that. And now, you know, I'm fully privileged. I fully get that. It's not because I'm white that I'm privileged. Yeah, but you, you, I'm privileged because I got a kick-ass education. But you worked hard. I busted yeah. your ass. Yeah, yeah, you don't I, get a PhD that's, easily. That's no, the bottom, I, I the did bottom line. If, if you want to work, have a positive attitude, treat people with respect, care, love, yeah. compassion, empathy, you can be successful. 
right? I, I agree. You know, it's it's that simple. And somewhere we've lost, you know, that sort of mantra. Well, here's the question. The vast majority of, of the psilocybins and the MDMAs coming out are going to come out from biopharmaceutical companies. And they're going to do the exact same thing. I don't give a shit that it's a mushroom or not. Yeah. They're going to do it, the same thing gonna, in the it's, cannabis companies. It's going to fail. It's going to fail because we're not treating it uh, from a spiritual aspect. All of it. Uh, I, I hope. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm going to predict it right now that like it's it. going to fail because, you know, when I go to a sweat lodge, yeah, everything is ritual, everything is ceremony, everything is prayed upon, everything. And why does it work? Because we're honoring Mother Earth. Sure. We're honoring the earth where it came from in its natural state, natural form. And, you know, I've had, I don't know, 20 psychedelic companies call me and ask me oh, to want to represent, you know, what they're <laughs> yeah, doing. And yeah. I say, well, where are you guys coming at it from a spiritual aspect? Sure. And they don't have an answer. And I'm like, I'm out. I'm out. Because, because if we don't treat it in a very special yeah. way... It's going to fail. It's going to fail like everything else. Got to keep that integrity. This is, this is where we're, we're very clear. We are not a biopharmaceutical company. We are not developing drugs. We are treating and helping yeah. people. And uh, one of the things, probably one of the most spiritual things that I've, I've done, and, and I'm also, you know, I, I grew up as a Catholic and, and altar boy and, and did that, that mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, my wife is, is quite um, spiritual and religious. Uh, I, I've, just never been there. I've had moments of, you know, is there something there and, and does it mean something to me? I, there's no question. There's something there, but I don't think it's a, a white man up in the clouds. No, um, either do I, neither does Theo, but, yeah. but there's something there. There is. But one of the, the yeah, coolest but, but, things I've but, done is a drum circle. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's if incredible. You, oh, just it's incredible. The, the power that yeah. just hammers inside of you. And, and that there's, that is the most mindful thing. Nobody's thinking about dinner or yeah. bills or uh, what you're you know. feeling is the is is the from a quantum physics uh, uh, perspective. You're feeling connection. Yeah. What that drum circle is doing is getting everybody vibrating on the same frequency. Oh fuck! You feel that? Yeah. I, I'm feeling that yeah. right now. Just saying it. You know what that means? I'm telling yeah. the truth. Yeah. And it, with that drum circle, oh god. Air in my arms are right up, right? Amazing stuff. Uh, But you feel that too because I'm speaking the truth. So you get everybody vibrating on the same good frequency, right? And that has everybody connected. It has everybody in harmony with each other, enjoying an experience together as opposed to a bunch of individuals. And the smiles after. Yeah. Right? The everyone, when it's all done, everyone's got some giggles and some smiles and some some connection and yeah, just, and so you ask spiritual, well, that's, we're doing drum circles. Yeah. Uh, we're really focused on mindfulness and meditating and connecting yourself to what you believe in. We don't want to, we don't want to instill anything on anyone. No, no. Uh, We want people to find their spiritual path. Well, that's the Catholic church model is ritualistic and all that. You don't follow my way. You don't get to sort of choose your own, your own path. Right. And, um, hang on, let me just check my own here. So 5,728 days ago, I hit my knees in a washroom and I surrendered. Turned my will and my life over to the care of the universe as I understand it, okay? 
That's amazing. And, and, uh, um, and so I gave up running my own life. Okay. Yeah. And I said to, uh, I said to, you know, whatever was out there that you can now run my life. Uh. Okay. Not going to question anything. Uh, because when I drive the bus, the bus always crashes. Okay. And, you know, perfect example is today. This isn't, this is, this, what we're doing today is supposed to happen in my life. Okay. When Mark called and said, can you come and do this? Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't question anything anymore. I don't fight it. I don't, nothing. You know, I just, you know, because obviously, you know, since I surrendered, you know, I stepped into my purpose in life, and that's to help other people who've had the same experience as me or similar experience as me. And whenever somebody asks me for help, I'm there. I don't question it. I don't, nothing. It's just, it's part of surrender, right? And, you know, nobody talks about surrender. You know, nobody talks about surrender. And to me, it was the most freeing thing that I've ever done in my life. Because the next day I woke up and I haven't had a drink in 5,728 days. Incredible. Right? So, you know, um, there are no coincidences, right? We meet people because we need to either teach them something or we need to learn something from them, right? And, you know, as a life coach, uh, my attitude is always, I want to learn more from you than I can teach you. I like that. Right? Because uh, when you're in that sort of spiritual kind of relationship, right? Because people who are broken, busted, you know, lost, you know, they need an external brain to come in and insert itself into right. into the relationship. And, uh, and, you know, both parties have to benefit from the relationship. Right? Right? And and it takes ego out of the equation and inserts humility and compassion and empathy and all those things that we don't learn. You know, we don't learn that stuff. And I think trauma teaches us compassion, empathy, and all those things we need to learn. So, you know, why do you think the universe has put trauma on the table? It's because it's the biggest riddle that needs to be solved. Mm-hmm. On the planet, right? I liken it to a Rubik's cube. Often, yeah, right. Yeah. So here, here, I, I I'm going to try to give you um, from from a, um, a psychological standpoint everything that you said and and what we look at it as uh, from from kind of a, a so called and I don't want to call myself an expert, but a so called expert yeah. viewpoint is what you talked about was acceptance, radical acceptance, accepting here I am. This is, I can't go backwards. I can't turn the world back. What happened to me sucks, uh, but it happened. Uh, and I can't, I can't change that. I can't do anything about changing it. And what gets in the way of trauma therapy uh, and, and healing and that journey of healing is the injustice and anger. Mm-hmm. And acceptance removes the injustice and anger because you're no longer angry about what happened. You're accepting with heart, soul, body, mind, everything it happened. Yeah. And here I am today. And how do I how do I 
connect and move forward today. And so that is what I spend a lot of time doing with people. People, is, the challenge is that they confuse acceptance with condoning. Correct. And it's not. And it's not. They're no. two different things. Yeah. It's never. And, and I even tell people, you know, the, the 12 steps are great where you have to go and you have to, to basically, you know, find amends with a lot mm-hmm. of the shit that you've done. Uh, and I tell people all the time, acceptance isn't that. You can maybe choose down the road to go there. And we'll talk about that as we're moving. But acceptance is about here you are today. And we're not condoning. We're not approving. Acceptance is not approval. It's just that it happened. And but, but what's wrong with what's wrong with it not being okay? No. So, and, and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, in their uh, journey, they may get there. Yeah. And I, I will support them mm-hmm. however they decide to go. But I think that's the ultimate destination. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, uh, like I look at my parents as gifts in my life. Sure, I look at my abuser as a gift in my life because look at all of the amazing stuff that has happened because I had those two experiences. Fair. Right? When I was a soldier, I learned <clears throat> what I thought was pain tolerance, but it wasn't. It was pain acceptance. Mm. Uh, you can't. There's a limit to how much pain you can tolerate because you're pushing up against something. Eventually, it's going to squash you. But instead, uh, like the first time I did a 32-kilometer rucksack march with like 80 to 100 pounds on my back, that fucking hurts, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, you can't make the, uh, the pain go away. Um, uh, the only tricks that you can do is to either divert it, so because I, I, you can't focus on two things at the same time. So I'd, I'd uh, think about my shoulders till I couldn't stand it anymore. Then I'd think about my feet till I couldn't stand it anymore. Then I'd switch, yeah. you know, yeah. and so I could either divert it but the biggest thing was to just breathe and accept the pain right. and notice the pain as opposed to being in the pain. And the physical pain and the emotional pain, it's the same fucking thing. Yes. You know? Uh, the brain so it's doesn't like, decipher between emotional and physical sure. pain. No. Nope. It, it, it really pain is the same cipher. thing. Mm-hmm. So instead of pushing up against it, just feel it and be okay with feeling it yeah. and, um, and, and walk with it as opposed to um, uh, having it. It's like, uh, it's the same trick for tickling. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're ticklish, if you got like the super ticklish feet, right? Well, if you breathe and you concentrate on acceptance, you could, you know, it'll still tickle, but, 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 but you won't jump. Like your, your, your ability to tolerate it is way, way better because you're not pushing it. You're just letting it flow. Yeah. So, you know, uh, suffering is pain without acceptance. Mm. We, when, when we're fighting it and angry with it and battling it and, that that is suffering. Uh, we all have pain. Yeah, but it's how we we choose to accept that pain that makes a difference. So or, suffering, or, we we all suffer too. I mean, when we lose something or we go through something, suffering is normal and healthy. We 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 breathe and grieve and and struggle with loss. And but when we get stuck in there, that's when suffering becomes pathological. Yes. Uh, so. You know, I, I never tell someone the first time I meet them, we choose to suffer or not. <laughs> it's not going to go well, right? But, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the ultimate goal as we move forward is we're, we're going to end the suffering by accepting here you are and uh, remove the injustice and the anger and uh, learn that I'm here and I can move forward and that I don't have to live with this forever. And there's... We can't remove the memories, right? There's no way to do that. But we can change how we perceive those memories and how we react to those memories. And 
I mean, even to the point of learning to love them. I, I mean, that's that's way down I, the, I love the road my for trauma. many people. I love my trauma. Love it. You know? Right. Because I, I know what the purpose was. But there's no injustice or anger there. No. That that is huge. No, because I can't move forward, you know. Right. Because what's the ultimate goal in therapy? Peace, joy, happiness, and serenity. Yeah, I I think content. Being content with who you are, to know what you're thinking when you're thinking it, being okay with Mm -hmm. that. In in French, content is happy. Sure. (laughs) Fair enough. So, (laughs) content. So, yeah, it's like. Je suis content. And pain is the greatest motivator for change. Right. Something's wrong in my world. Right? You can't change so, what you don't accept. Huh? So I can either, you know, get in the middle of it and fucking fight and, mm-hmm. you know, and all that. Or I can surrender, accept, and learn right. from it. There's a reason why I'm in pain. Right? There's a lesson that needs to be learned. Right. Right? And it's hard getting people to... Um, accept that concept, right? Because yeah. it goes against everything we've ever been taught. Right, and hence why I wouldn't have that conversation the first time I made that one. <laughs> exactly. Because right? yeah. they're going to call me a fruitcake, and yeah. they'll, well, they'll probably say a lot worse than that. But, but they'll, they'll, there's, but they'll the, leave. But that's stigma, right? right? It that, is. That is stigma. Are you an odd duck in the psychological uh, world, in your profession? <laughs> Am I an odd duck in a lot of worlds? Uh yeah, I, I think so. I, I think I'm not alone, though. It's not even close to being alone. I think... Um, You're not just a voice well, in the wilderness? To, to give you an idea, our number one investor in our clinic is psychiatrists, who also look at the system as completely fucking broken. Yeah. And uh, that we can't... So I, I had this existential experience in my third year of residency. So well, this the was, system was built broken. It didn't well, break. No, no, no. It totally was built was. broken. Yeah, yeah. That's That's correct. It's... As I tell people all the time, and I, I stole this from a, a senior doc colleague of mine, uh, we don't work in a healthcare system. We work in a healthcare administration system. Mm-hmm. And it's always about the administrators and the people holding the purses and wallets. Uh, it's not about the experts and, and what they're fighting for. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of my colleagues um, are either burnt out and just want to get the fuck out of the hospital at 5 o'clock um, and they're, they're still compassionate and they, they care. Uh, they're good people. Everybody gets into medicine for the reason of trying to help people. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're pushed to the very brink and, uh, many of them working several nights in a row and, and really crazy, crazy hours. But many people believe in what I'm trying to, to really advocate for. Of and course that's, they are. that's for, you know, healing and, and health. Yeah. And wellness and well-being and not just uh, a pill. And, and my motto for a long time has been more skills, less pills. <laughs> and for a long time, the system has been all pills and no skills. Yeah. So am, am I a pariah? Hell no. Uh, I think the vast majority agree. But we're also, it's kind of like an elephant with the string around its leg. This is all I know. Yep. I don't know different. So it must be right. And if I try to break it, you know, I'll never be able to get away from it. But right. 
you know, if, if we well, we've been conditioned people. for that as a society, we've been conditioned yes. to, for lack of a better word, to worship those in a lab coat. Holy fuck, you're a scientist. You've got to be right. You know, and I'm just a peasant, you know, like there's a class system um, that at some level that people accept. And it's, it's unfortunate because it's, it's only the mavericks, the rogues that get shit changed. The majority is almost never right. I, I think so. I, I think the only way to change something is to stare it in the face and say it's wrong. Yeah. And that is not easy. No, the emperor has no right. clothes. Yeah. First, first one through the wall always gets bloody. Totally. Right. <laughs> and, and I've got a lot of scars fighting oh, with the yeah. system already yeah. and uh, continue to fight with the system. And, you know, have, have the, the reason of walking away from the system and moving into this new clinic is because the system doesn't want to change. No. You're, you're trying to make massive change, and the system is saying, who the fuck are you? You're a doctor. You're like a plumber. Your job is to come and do your job and get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You don't lead. The system isn't run by doctors. It's run by administrators. Yeah. They're, and they're, bureaucrats. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And lobbyists. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it is not led by the experts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, the experts that finally say, I am fucking done with this and walk away, go and build something fantastic. And, and often, though, it's, it's a small little niche on, on an island somewhere that you can go get some really cool treatment or get some help. Uh, and they're looked upon by the rest of the system as kind of weirdos. I mean, Gabor Mate for a perfect example, right? Weirdo, extradited from his own population. You, you don't know what you're talking about. When, in fact, he was so right. And this is who? So, Gabor Mate. He, I, wrote, he wrote the foreword to my second book. Oh, is that right? And awesome guy. He is guy. unbelievable. In yes. this He's all about trauma. Yes, everything. He's all about trauma. Trauma, spirituality, psychedelics. You'll have to introduce me. I'll get him yeah. on the show. Yeah, he's, he's an incredible Brilliant, human being. And yeah. And... You know, decades ahead of the field. And now the field's catching up to yep. him right now. Mm-hmm. And suddenly he's mainstream again. Yeah. Whereas before he was more, um, he turned into pop culture, right? People read his books yeah. uh, mm-hmm. in the realm of Hungry Ghosts. He was Jordan amazing. Peterson before Jordan yeah. Peterson was Is that Jordan right? Peterson. Right, it yeah. is. Yeah. He, he was a charlatan. He yeah. went out. He, I'd love for you to got, get Jordan on uh, We're All a Little Crazy podcast. <laughs> well, we're working on it. Oh, oh fuck, I, so am I. Well, we'll see who, I'll race you there. Uh, yeah. See, there's, there's another guy, right, that the medical system medicated him. Yeah. They didn't help him. Nope. They medicated him. And then he got all fucked up on the meds. Yeah, yeah. hardcore. And that's what I do. That's exactly what I treat, is those people, I get them off everything. So you were talking about heroin and oxycodone and, and all that. So fascinating thing is uh, we developed the first opioid deprescribing clinic. Ah. We took everyone off of this shit. Nice. Uh, pain people, addiction people, everything. The system hated it so much that you know when, when I was moving on, I had put together an entire team to take over my role there. And the system said, no fucking way, we're closing it. Doesn't exist anymore. Uh, uh, the first program of its kind in the country that continues to get raves. We're going to publish on it too. Continues to get raves from you it's know because big pharma, big pharma fucking peddles oh, uh, no. opiates. Nothing to do with pharma. This no? is administration. Fuckers. You. This is your punishment for turning on us. We'll close mm. your fucking clinic. <laughs> so it's gone. Doesn't oh, exist anymore. That, all is those the, people, that is the definition of evil. Right. So all those people looking for help. And, and you, know, you know, the argument is, well, this is what a family doctor can do. 
So you can imagine the poor family doctors who have to know a little bit about everything. I mean, every every bit of medicine, they need to know something about it. I mean, the hardest job out there. Yeah. And uh, the lowest paid, which is crazy. Um, they have to know everything. And now they're now expected to treat addiction, treat mental health, treat chronic pain. Uh, we don't need experts. We'll put it down to you as the family doctor. You take care of it. And some of them are fantastic and can do it, but some of them are like, I'm more interested in diabetes and, and this is like, they all find a niche that they kind of like and they're, they're great at. Uh, and then also still fantastic at the relationship. And there's just so many amazing family docs out there that, you know, just go to work and do their grind every day, uh, trying to help as many people as they can. And they keep getting forced with more and more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to say the word evil cause I don't, I don't like it. Um, it was it vengeful and spiteful and and uh did it give a shit about uh the patients no well that's to me what evil is is sure. <laughs> indifference yeah you know it is like, uh, the, some people even say the opposite of love is indifference not hate you know just yeah. not giving a fuck not giving yeah just look this is about me not about the patient or you yeah and it's like well Everything that we, we developed here was about helping people. There was trauma therapy, skills-based therapy, uh, learning why are you taking the opioids, what kind of distress is leading to it in the first place. Is it pain or distress that we're treating? Uh, and those people with true chronic pain syndromes, uh, we'd bring them down to the lowest possible dose. They'd learn a healthy relationship with the medication. Rather than the medication running them, they ran the medication again. Uh, and all of it, Done. Yeah, take your power back. Yo, know, they they took it back. The the administration system reminded me who's in charge. <laughs> Unbelievable. And it it isn't uh it isn't the experts, that's for sure. Yeah. No. I'm going to get in trouble for this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Yeah. But you wouldn't be the first. No. One of my very first interviews, um, and it's it's reminding me actually this this story of what you're talking about the problem with the administrators with the fucking bureaucrats right that just don't put people first. There is also that same problem within the veteran community uh, of all the different support providers that are that are out there. The infighting is freaking ridiculous. I'm learning this. And one of the biggest, I'm not going to name it, but one of the biggest, if not the biggest um, organizations out there has picked a fight with more people that I know in this community than you can believe. To the point of the very first, when I had the Mike Show podcast, one of the the very first interview that I had, the guy got sued. Yeah. Because uh, he said a couple of things that, that were totally true uh, you know, and provable, but hurt somebody's feelings. So one veterans organization uh, filed a lawsuit against another veterans organization because of hurt feelings, <laughs> right? So now they're both trying, so which took resources away from two organizations that are now not going to the veterans. Feelings. There, there's my pet peeve right there. You know, if, <laughs> if you're feeling, Theo said this earlier, if your feelings are hurt, something's wrong with you. Like you got to figure that shit out. Uh, not the, the person who hurt your feelings. I, I was in a meeting not long ago and I hurt someone's feelings. And, uh, you know, that suddenly turns into uh, inequity, into bullying, into, and then you get into a whole bunch of shit for that. Well, and it's, it's, like, it's a balance, right? Because I, I got to take responsibility for how I sure. communicate, but you also have to take responsibility for how you react. Sure. 
you know, if I'm being a dick and which, which can happen, right. you know, um, if that's offending you, that's a you problem. Right. Now it's a me responsibility to not be a dick. Yes. But it's a you responsibility to, uh, let it be like water off a duck's back. Right. Well, we have these wonderful things in our brain called mirror neurons. Yeah. In your eyes, I see myself as. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that projection. So, so when we meet somebody, first of all, we meet them in the unconscious world first before we actually meet them in the present, right? Because we all come into carrying this energy around us, right? And uh, especially in relationship, right? You know, when you meet somebody after you know, that first infatuation, then you see, oh, I can get away with this, 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 right? You You also know know the buttons. Yeah. Oh, and that pisses you off. Yeah. That pisses Mm -hmm. you off. Yeah. Yeah. And so it takes a lot of therapy to realize, you know, why is this person triggering me, right? Because we get triggered, what, a thousand times a day? All the time. Right? So... There's another pet peeve is the, the whole trauma-informed care. Right. So you're going to come into my clinic and we're not going to trigger you. It's like, well, how about they come into the clinic and we fucking treat yeah. So, so we can, when so they go to 7-Eleven and they shit. get triggered. Yeah. Because, like, they're going to leave my clinic. They're going to go to 7-Eleven and get triggered. But it wasn't me who triggered them. It's the most narcissistic bullshit yeah. of, you know, we're just... And don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, if you're a surgery clinic, this is probably important because they're not treating PTSD. No. But if you're an addiction clinic or in a mental health clinic and you go around saying we're trauma-informed, well, that's fucking great. So you're avoiding the real issue of treating the trauma and you're just going to not trigger it and uh, ignore the rest. Yeah. Uh, and, and when you really break down what it is, it's just about being nice. Yeah. Like, holy fuck, we got to teach people to be nice? Mm-hmm. Just be nice to people. You know, and if you do piss someone off, which I am also known to do sometimes, <laughs> you know, own yeah, it after. But I think you piss off the right people. Well, <laughs> you know, some sometimes. So my wife would disagree with that, but <laughs> right. Well, I, yeah. like you were saying earlier, Theo, the more you deal with your own shit, the less you are a prick. Yeah, you know, the less yeah. you are pissing other people. Well, the less, it, it the fuck, less you the get, less it off. fucking matters. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like. You know, why do I want to be in a space of anger and frustration and all that? Why do I want to be there? Doesn't serve me any, you know, uh, purpose other than maybe a learning experience. Yeah. Right? No, I, so I, the less you piss people off and the less you're pissed off. Yeah. The less people can piss you off. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, this is, this is part of my own journey right now of trying to fight the system and just being fucking angry when I go home of like, you know, we, we have this where we're about to do this and someone comes in and says, no, nah, we're not going to let you. If they knew better, they'd do better, Rob. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. No, or- no, 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 no. <laughs> There's no baby on this, Dr. Rob. Right. If they knew better, they'd do better, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and if we're expecting something out of somebody else, that's on us. Yeah. That's us putting expectations. That's fucking judgment is what it is. Fair. You should know better. Whoops. Hang on. Right. Why should you know better? Right. Who the fuck am I to, to say what your capabilities are? If they knew better, they would do better. We're all doing our best in any, uh, in any yeah, particular moment. Yeah, we're doing moment. the best we have. We, we can That's with true. what we have. If and, they can't right, see something, it's because they can't can see always, something. You can always right. do better. We're all doing our best and we can all do better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's fair. It's a, a great way. You know... The best thing that I decided was just to leave. That's it. I want an honorary doctorate. And have that. <laughs> well, good luck. <laughs> I'll sign it for you, but it ain't going to mean shit. That's so. all right. 
Yeah, I got two of those useless diplomas in my house. So. <laughs> you got to, I would expect you. How come I you don't talk two, to yourself, doc, Dr. Theo? I have two. Dr. Theron, no, what's going on? No. It sounds very. I'm okay. It sounds very, uh, you know, shishi foo foo, though. Yeah, it does. Dr. Theron, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, doesn't fit the, you know. Does, doesn't fit the look? No. No. More comfortable it, on the it Harley? Shouldn't, it shouldn't matter either, honestly. No. You know, this, this is why I, I really stick to that. You know, if, if you're, you know, when, when I have staff and they're, oh, Dr. Tange, it's like, why are you calling me Dr. Tange? I am not your doctor. Yeah. You know, I'm Rob. Now, if we're in front of a patient, especially some that may struggle with boundaries, and, and so we're going we're gonna to try to create a bit of a healthy relationship. And so, but I have a lot of patients who call me Rob. I have a lot of patients with my cell phone. And so when I tell that to medical trainees, they're like, oh, my God, that's a, you're, that's a boundary violation. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is it? A, According like, to who? Yeah, if, if somebody's struggling. And we're not sexting. And they, right, and they call me, <laughs> and they're like, you know, I'm really struggling. I need some help. Well, I'm, I'm going to be on the phone for them and help them. Now, I'm also not stupid. I don't give everyone my number. I mean, there's some unwell people that may take advantage of that, and I still have a family and a life to take care of. But when I get to know a patient after a bit, and I know that there's times that they struggle and they could use that, that call out, sure, I have no yeah. problem in giving them my number. Uh, and, you know, I think, I think that... So we've, we've heard a few times about the class of, of the lab coat, uh, the authoritarian medical system or pharmaceutical system. Uh, I think COVID has been an interesting process because a lot of what we do now is sitting on this computer looking at someone in their home. And now they're not on my playing turf. I'm on theirs. I'm in their home, in their life. And it's, it's, uh, it's been a really humbling process for a lot of people uh, I've argued against authoritarian and paternalistic medicine for a long time. Our our job is the relationship, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, if someone disagrees with, with what I think we should do, then it's like, okay, well, then we're not going to do that. What do you want to do? Here's some other options. Here's some other ideas. And find something that's going to work with them. But now that I'm actually in their home, what what an honor and a privilege for me to be sitting with someone in their home and talking to them about what's going on for them. And, and you know, the other thing that, that I don't believe in is this nine to five. Take a day off of work and come see me for 15 minutes. What the fuck? Like what, you know, for a lot of people, that day off of work uh, takes a meal off their table. Yeah. There's so, been a lot of advantages to, to the Zoom. Oh, I mean, uh, my wife and I would always get into uh, a bit of a dust up on Monday nights. Because Tuesday mornings were therapy. Right. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> why, you needed material for the next day or yeah, what? Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly right. But it, it, and it was so slow to freaking put it together. And my therapist, uh, God bless her, but fuck, she didn't put the, uh, the dots together either. Right. I had to put the dots together. Um, but but it that's was, a good therapist that makes you figure out your own shit. Yeah, fair enough. Right. Well, yeah. if it didn't take a year, it would well, have been better. Hey. I, I'd probably still poke and prod a bit. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what's going on at home, yeah. dude? Yeah. You're a little angry well, today. I, I see, you know, the whole uh, psychology, psychiatry field as, you know, we're coaches. And, and what do good coaches do? They ask the right questions until you have a light bulb moment. Because when you have a light bulb moment, you don't repeat it. 
Yeah, like you know, I, yeah, what I we tell can't people, tell anybody anything. They have to say it to themselves. Right. They so don't argue with their own data. Yeah. What What I love about my job is I'm a pretty curious person. Yeah. And so my job is just to sit and talk to people and be curious. Yeah. Oh, why did you do that? Wow, that, that was curious. What What happened there? What mm-hmm. What led to that? Um, and same thing when people relapse when they're struggling with addiction, they relapse. Uh, this isn't a punishment time. This isn't a judgment time. This is what happened. Let's, let's back it all the way up and let's learn from this. This is a learning experience. Let's learn from it. But our, our system, I mean, somebody's paying $30,000 to be in a rehab facility. <laughs> they go relapse and they get kicked out and don't get a refund. So what the fuck is that about? Like, well, you had a learning opportunity. You had a chance to sit with this person and find out what the fuck just happened. What triggered him? What mo- and let's let's yeah, start so let's, breaking let's, this down. Let's shame him some more. Correct. I know several <laughs> veterans that have been kicked out of the OSI clinic, like several. And uh, it's like, well, uh, you're you're being too aggressive. Okay, are you fucking kidding me right now? What, what did you're- I used to do for a living? Oh, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm you're going to get rid of that behavior like in like an hour. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Sometimes it goes both ways. Sometimes. Yeah. Someone's not ready. Yeah. Right? Oh, absolutely. And they go in and, you know, they're going to well, meet this therapist who's like, let's do some trauma therapy, and they're not fucking ready. I would say the, yeah. the majority sure. of the world isn't ready. Correct. Yeah. You know? So sometimes they need to go, and, and they need to, okay, this is, I really don't want to live this way anymore. I got to do something. Well, that's where the show comes in. Uh, this is one of the positions for this show. Uh, I have couples... Uh, one couple in particular and they reached out to me and said, Mark, thank you so fucking much for this show because therapy, no goddamn way. Peer support groups, no, but uh, he's got just enough resilience to listen to the show and not just with headphones on. He's got to be gaming while he's listening to the show while my hands are on his fucking shoulders, right? So he half listens to the show. That is the only way that he can take a step forward. But over the last year, it's been getting better and better is. and better. And now he doesn't have to be gaming. Now they can listen to the show together. And then they talk about what they just heard together. Right. And they're getting closer and closer to going to see professional help. There it is. Awesome. But that's, that is one of the positions for, for this show. Right. And, it's, um, and I'm getting, that is one of many, many stories that it, uh, have been coming to me. But, but you, you've developed a relationship with them there it is that, yeah. and that's ultimately what what is therapy it's it's relationship you know and therapy is a tool acquiring exercise right you're not going to get all the tools at once you're going to acquire them along the way and then apply those tools to one day at a time right because if i think about the past that's depression I think about the future, that's anxiety. There it is. And so I got to learn how to be in the present 24 hours at a time. But eight of those hours, hopefully, I'm sleeping. <laughs> the other eight, I'm actually working. Yeah. Eight or 12. So now I only have to be present for six to eight hours a day. That's it. That's it. You know, when you break it down into its simplest form, yeah. 
the whole idea of therapy is getting you to live in the present. In the moment. In the moment, right? Which is very Buddhist, you know. It, it is, but it, it's, but it's so true. it's brilliant. Yeah, know what you're thinking when you're thinking yeah. it. Know what you're doing when you're doing it. Know what you're feeling when you're feeling it. And uh, we, we look, even, even people uh, in, in all factions of life live in all autopilot. Yeah. They don't even know how they got there half the time when they're driving. They're, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're stuck in full-on autopilot, which is the opposite of what you just described. Yeah. And so often, even to break it down to even simpler format, when I just start with someone, I tell them, I want five minutes of your day. You can, for 23 hours and 55 minutes, do whatever the fuck you want. Sit on a couch all day. Five minutes, I want you to start meditating. Yeah. And I just want you to start that process. And then we'll, we'll just start little bits at a time and start breaking into it and start doing it. And uh, that, that's a lot of the beginning of, of stuff. And so even, even you know, going into an intense program, a lot of it at the beginning is going to be prep. Are you ready? Let's talk about stuff. What do you think is going to get in the way? Let's deal with some of this anxiety. Let's get this dealt with. So that when you go in, you go in. And, and I tell people all the time when they're going into treatment, you got to dive in the deep end, man. You dip your toe in the shallow end, you ain't getting in that water because it's fucking cold. No. And have the perseverance to not pop out. Yeah. You know, uh, I think that happens so often too. It's just, and I understand, and that's why I was talking about um, the scraps I get in with my wife uh, <laughs> uh, on, on Monday nights mm-hmm. for the Tuesday morning. And then the drive, uh, the hour drive from here to the OSI clinic, you know, is, is, is significant. And then I'd be fried for two, three, depending on the topic and what we covered up to four days later, I would just be fried, you know, I'd have to come home and go straight to bed and just like therapy can be goddamn tough work. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and people don't understand that. So, you know, what's so funny is when you first told me that when we were talking, uh, I immediately went to our team and was like, okay, what are we going to do for those people after trauma therapy who are fried? And, and it's a funny thing because what, what does the system normally do? See you next week. Yeah. I have no fucking clue what happens afterwards. So then we sat down and we're like, okay, so they're going to do trauma therapy and it's going to be pretty activating for a lot of people. What should we do next? So we've tried to balance it that on, on the days you do the therapy, we're going to have a mindfulness section. We're going to have a yoga session. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do a drum circle. We're going to try to bring all that shit down so that when you go home, you ain't bringing it with you. Yeah. So that you're not dreading doing it. All I would do on the bad ones is like, okay, we're done. Go walk around the mall for an hour before you get behind the wheel. Because <laughs> I'd be impaired behind the wheel. Right. Because I wasn't grounded. My yeah. mind was elsewhere. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly. So it, you literally, by, by saying that, you changed everything that we looked at. And, and this is why listening is so important yeah. and sitting down with people who've been there, done that. Okay. What are the things that, that don't work? And then let's not do it. And let's not just say, well, this is the way it is. And, uh, if you want to be in our clinic, that's what you have to do. And, and there's why so many people have left so many clinics yeah. Because the clinic isn't about the patient. The clinic is about the clinic, the yeah. healthcare administration system. Well, there's cultural competence as well. You know, if you're First Nations, you, you want to be hearing stories from First Nations people. If yeah. you're a veteran, you want to be hearing people. And the cultural competence, I mean, sometimes it, it can be used as an excuse. There's one guy, I was airborne. I don't want to talk to anybody that wasn't airborne. You're just a dirty leg. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, that's It's got to be that close for you to relate. Oh, okay. 
But um, <laughs> uh, so there's an extreme. Yes. But uh, in general, uh, arm a guy talking to another military person. Absolutely. You know, it, it helps. And that's uh, another flaw with um, the OSI clinic is the stabilization series being um, uh, administered to people that are, this is their first experience. And they're getting somebody with kind of a wispy voice, and it looks like they should be holding a basket right. of flowers at all times, and uh, uh, d- delivering a fucking slideshow that uh, that anybody can deliver. Right. right. So you have somebody that's well enough on the other side of, of, of therapy that has uh, enough ability, you know. Uh, quick intro. Hey, this is me. I served with this battalion and that battalion, and, and and these are my tours. Oh, all right. And now we do the slideshow right. and do precursors. I mean, when they talk about um, personal hygiene, it's like fuck off. You know, I mean, it's relevant, but it, it there's no precursor for it. So right. it's like, all right. So this may or may not apply to you. It does apply to some people, and if it does apply to you, that's a sign of depression. So. Sure. Now that's why we're we, we're covering this. Please don't take offense if it doesn't offend to you, and please don't be embarrassed if it does apply to you. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> you'll get a drastically different experience with us because you're going to get me, yeah. and uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I don't have a wispy voice, and uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat shit. We're gonna we're gonna talk about what we're doing here. You got right? a little bit of a Ewan McGregor thing going oh, on, actually. You know, I, I often hey? get told I have a face for radio, so <laughs> it, uh, it works out. <laughs> but we're 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 gonna cut to it right away. We're gonna talk about what we're doing. We're gonna talk about what it's about. Our our biggest goal next is to build a a uh, a peer uh, advisory board, mm. and but we've we've held off on it because we want peers that have gone through the the program, right. Right. We want people. So, you know, there's a lot of great people such as yourselves who have gone through some amazing journeys to get well. Uh, But, you know, it it looks odd when we have you kind of presenting in front of a group going through a system and they ask, well, what was it like for you? Well, I've never done it. Right. Well, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing here then? Yeah. So we, we really, but trust me, it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. That's going to well, go actually, well. <laughs> that, that's a good conversation right there. Have you tried psychedelics yourself personally? Not in a therapeutic format. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. On that. I, um, yeah. We'll just leave it at that. I've, yeah, all uh, right. I've, I've certainly, I know how they feel. <laughs> you have tasted the rainbow? I, I have, but I, I haven't been in a therapeutic process. Now, th- that being said, there's a big difference between, um, you know, chewing mushrooms and sitting around a fire with the boys having a beer. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, that'll lead to a trek in the trees and, and anyways, all the other stuff that comes with it, to sitting in a, in a clinic room uh, for eight hours with a blindfold on. Uh, that's a there's a there's a drastic difference yeah. there, and so we are uh, we're applying uh, for exemptions for all of our therapists and docs to do it, so that we all know exactly yeah. what it's about and what it's for. Because yeah, I have no interest in in telling someone this is what you got to do. Well, have you done it? No. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, give, her, give her a go. Exactly. I would, I would suggest also, in whatever room that is, blindfold or no, have lots of plants. Like yeah. fucking greenery all over the place. So we're, we're, we're actually developing the room uh, based on so much... Uh, I'm going to say the word science, but anyways. Uh, but based on, on the evidence of what other groups are doing around the world. Yeah. And also uh, talking to people who've been through the therapy themselves. Uh, you know, what did you find that you liked? What didn't you? It's interesting because there's some groups that talk about people need to get up and move in that somatic experience. And it's like, well, great. So we have trauma-informed yoga right after ketamine treatment. So get up and move. Uh, you know, some people talk about the greenery and the need to be around nature. I mean, the ultimate goal is, uh, I the goal isn't the right word. The ultimate thinking that I have would be doing kind of group programs in nature. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I also talk to a, a lot of indigenous. Uh, um, you know what? I haven't spent a lot of time with a healer, but a lot of indigenous docs who yep. have that background still mm-hmm. with them and nurse practitioners. And uh, I was sitting with one and, and she looked at me and she's like, my group therapy is sitting around a fire telling stories. And I'm like, that is so much fucking better than what I do. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is so cool. And, and it was honest envy, honest like that. You know, that is getting back to to the roots. How do we bring medicine back to the biopsychosocial spiritual? And how do we bring medicine back to, uh, well, away from a biomedical, take a pill and see you in a month or six months or yeah. whatever it is. And part of that is nature. And, and to bring science into it, there's brilliant studies out of Japan where they literally bottled air from a forest and then give it to someone in a lab and see brain changes. Yeah. Like we, the, the trees are releasing something that hits receptors in our brain. Of course. We have to get over the arrogance yeah. of we, we have the solution. Sure. Arrogance, ego. That's, that's the barrier. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Definitely narcissism. And, and we're the same way. Like there is no way that I think everyone's going to respond to our treatment. There's no way. Yeah. There is no right absolute answer. But do I think a lot will? Yes. And do I think that... You know, we can help people get back to work really quickly if they're an officer, an EMS. Yes. Do I think we can help veterans who have been struggling for 10, 20, 30, 40 years? Yes. Do I think we're going to cure everyone? No. No. One of the things when you and I were talking on the phone that I think is interesting, um, I, I always harp on the, the difference between coping and healing. Coping is important, but coping can easily be any kind of coping can be an addiction so there has to be healing but once that healing happens you don't need to cope so much you know um uh, so for for drinking when you become an alcoholic that becomes a a a coping mechanism for 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 theo is the only way you could get to sleep without you know it was the only way way. and um no you're saying that once the healing happens that you can go back to drinking but uh in a safe way that that it doesn't go nuts you know i'm a little bit scared to to, to do that because yeah. like it was starting to get a little bit stupid right. you know i wasn't a a, a straight up uh, over the top uh, uh alcoholic but i could see it going that way and i miss scotch and whiskey but um <laughs> as you've often said one is too many a thousand isn't enough and I don't want to get on that slippery slope again. But you're saying right. that um, uh, that is, uh, if you have truly healed, then you can have a scotch on a Sunday night and and w- without it turning into a slippery slope. So caveat: I think some people can. 
Okay. I think that there are still genetic pieces to this, right? Uh, so perfect example, I take an opioid, I get dizzy and vomiting and mm-hmm. sick and all fucked up. Yep. Uh, you know, other people take an opioid and they feel like they're getting a warm hug as, as we mentioned before. So there's all the genetic differences, right? Alcohol has, uh, two enzymes that break it down. One breaks the alcohol down into a poison or aldehyde. One breaks the aldehyde down into a metabolite we pee out. Uh, the, the first one gets us euphoric, yep. you know, the second one gets us sick. So if I'm a person who gets euphoric and never gets sick, alcohol is a different beast for me yeah. than someone who barely gets euphoric because their enzymes just plowing through the alcohol quickly, but can't break down the aldehyde and gets really sick. They're, they're not going to become an alcoholic because every time they have two beer, they're vomiting, yeah. right? So there's genetic <clears throat> influences involved with that too. But yes, uh, I do believe and I've done that with a lot of patients, is we can rebuild the relationship with substances. Not everyone. Absolutely not. Am I sitting here saying, Theo, fuck the 5,000 years, go have a drink. No, 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 no. I would never, <laughs> ever say that. But when, when I have someone, an executive, for instance, whose half of their job is, is whining and dining people, and they're interested in you know, the possibility of having that healthy relationship... Uh, we talk about there's something called the Sinclair method where you take naltrexone an hour or two before you go out. You're, you remove a lot of the euphoric effect from the alcohol. You've treated the trauma. Let's, let's be very clear. This isn't, you know, I detoxed you for 30 days. Now you can go try drinks again. <laughs> We've treated the trauma. We've done the coping skills as well, healthy coping skills. Uh, you know, usually the, the absolute rule is, is between, you know, three and six months of complete abstinence uh, after the trauma has been treated. And, and they're, they've gone through a bit of sandpaper in their life and they've shown that they got some resilience and they can do it. But that, that, that's not for everyone. Yeah. So and, the answer uh, is maybe, but be cautious. Well, yeah, I think the answer is there's no absolutes. Yeah. And, and I think there's, there's a lot of absolutes in the addiction world of, you know, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Well, that's not always true. For some people, it is. For other people, it's, it's completely, they were just doing everything they could to hide from all the demons they had. Now that the demons are dealt with. What do you think, Theo? I have absolutely zero desire to ever drink again. And that's fantastic. You know, like, I don't, I don't need it, you know? Yeah. You know, it's not, you know, I, I can live my life on life's terms, right? And, uh, you know, I went through the process of surrender, gathering tools, you know, all those things. And so, you know, um, I don't know, you know, I, I just, I don't have any desire. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, the people that I work with get to the point where, you know, uh, they don't have any desire because it's poison. It is. It's <laughs> you, know I mean? you know what I mean? It's, it's like, it why is. would I put poison in my body? Part of it you for know? me is setting an example for, for those that are struggling as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have dead family members from the bottle, yeah. uh, dead friends from the bottle, um, and, and way too many of them. Yeah. So in my position within the veteran community of being in this, uh, this center point for healing, I'm thinking, well, you know, 
<laughs> I got a lot of friends that never touch a drop for, uh, and they can't. So I'm in solidarity with them, but also looking after myself and also uh, setting an example, which uh, people have been getting back to me. It's like, Mark, you actually kind of inspired me to put the bottle down. Yeah. Like, well, I, I, thanks for telling me. I had no idea. Well, and that's how it works. Yeah. yeah. That's how it works. So right? living by example. <clears throat> and and I, would, I would be very cautious that if you don't have the right team and the right support, yeah. everything I just said is bullshit. So yeah. it, it has to be in that right environment with the right team, with the right everything. Yeah. If, if you're someone who... Uh, you know, spent 10 years and your life is completely devastated because of it. Yeah, dude, there's no healthy. But if you're someone, you know, it's been a year, uh, you know, something happened, you've used it as a way to cope, uh, things are slipping for you, you get caught early enough, we are able to help things and put things together early enough. That's a different story. Our regimental birthday is uh, St. Patrick's Day every year. And uh, Lady Patricia, her favorite drink was Drambuie. So if I was going to have a drink, it would be one shot of Drambuie a year because I've actually met the woman, uh, just a beautiful human being. And it would, and it would mean something. But um, although that would be the temptation of one shot of Drambuie a year, there's a big fucking difference between I only have one shot a year and I don't drink. Right. Like that, that doesn't seem, but, it, but, but if, that is a big difference. But if you spend 364 days thinking about the Jambuia, yeah. you got a problem. Yeah, yeah that's right. A hundred percent. Yeah. That, that's a real problem. Actually. And I do. Yeah. I still, I still kind of smack my lips when I think about scotch sure. or, you know, it's like, yeah. well, if I'm still smacking my lips, I'm just going to say fucking no. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no question that, that the the reality of never drinking again is the safest way to go. Yeah. Uh, but there's also no question that there's no absolutes. No. Yeah. And uh, it, it really, you know, even, even people who are like, I want to try this and I want to do this and da-da-da, it's like, okay, well, A, really slippery slope. B, uh, you know, we ain't doing this unless, you know, we have full confidence in each other yeah. and, and you trust me. I trust you. You're going to call me. Something's happening. But, so- I, but I, I can tell you that, you know, some of the spiritual things that I've done, um, in the Aboriginal indigenous, uh, wellness space has been a hundred thousand times better than any drug yeah. that I've ever taken because I'm producing the chemistry in my body 100%. to make myself feel well. And I would say the majority of those experiences are in relationship with other people sharing. That's it. You know? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to support someone who says, I just want to have another drink again. Oh, well, tell me a bit about that. Well, I just sometimes sit at home by myself and feel like a drink. Yeah. And no, that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's there, there's a problem. That's yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a problem. Yeah. There. Yeah. You know? And, and so, Look, this is, this is a, a small defined group of individuals who, uh, you know, want to try to build that healthy relationship. And, and that's a, a different story. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know people who have done it and done it well. Uh, and I know people who have also not, you know, thought they could do it. Uh, and, you know, just, you know, I've been clean for, well, how many times? I've been clean a week or I've been clean a month. Yeah. I've got this. No problem. Uh, and straight back. And it's quick, too. Every time well, the relapse go, happens, go, it's faster and you faster. You go back to where you left off and you go a little further yeah. every time. That's, yeah. that's been my experience with, that, that with is, relapsing. Yes. Right? And that's why people overdose and die 
is because you have some clean time and then you go back to where you were and you go a little further. And when you go a little further, that's when it. Absolutely. Yep. One of the big uh, anchors for me is being an example for my kids because yeah. uh, it would be all the time. I'd be like, hey, go get a dad a beer for uh, for dinner, you know, and that was going on for a while. And then it was two beers for dinner. And it's like, ah, fuck, I feel like a third. And then it would be up for Netflix and uh, after and there'd be two, three, four more. It's like, oh, whoops, this has been going on for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But, um, but now my kids know I've been dry for over 13 months or whatever it is. Uh, and one hundred percent dry, not a single sip, awesome. not a drop. Yeah, it's great. And um, <clears throat> but they they see that as well. And I say, look, I'm not saying you know yeah. don't 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 uh, experiment and 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 have fun. And I'm not saying that. Right. I'm saying is you have a choice. And now I'm I am showing through example. I am modeling that choice. Right. You know, and that's that's the yeah. difference. That's the. That's it's, what it's all about. Absolutely, it's uh, it's fantastic, and and I. But mean, it comes down to, you know, that's that's therapy. Yes. What can I do that I'm not going to have any consequences for my actions? Right. Right. And if you don't know yourself very well, if you haven't gone through the process of therapy, gathered tools, and right. all that stuff, then you're automatically going to go to what you know is going to get you out of emotional or yeah. physical pain. The brain you know? is like water. Yeah. You know, and the so, easiest way. and, uh, <clears throat> you know, I went to four treatment centers, yeah. but guess what? In my toolbox, I have something from that experience yeah. that I use every day to stay clean and sober. Right. Right. So it's a process, you know, and, and I don't think it, I don't think it ends. That's, uh, I, I think that's the exact answer. And uh, as I've mentioned before, as a physician, my job isn't to tell people what to do. No. My job is to lay out the options. And here's a few, what's going to work best for you. And if I, someone tells me, I want to be able to drink in, in 30 days, I'll say, Man, well, we'll take a look in 30 days. Inside, I'm like, yeah, that ain't. That ain't that's, not a, that's a really fucking bad idea. But you're setting I'm not going to tell them that. for failure. Yeah. Yeah. But if, if I you're gonna tell like, them that. You're going to white knuckle it for fucking 30 right. days, and then right. you know you get the reward right. at yeah. the end of and it. And then you're like an elastic band all wound up, <laughs> oh, and you yeah. just let fly. Oh, and yeah. that's the conversation yeah. we have every week. Yeah. So, you know, how's it going? Well, my day is, you know, you're spending a lot of time on that day. So how, how would you classify the newly? Would you call it a clinic? Would you call it a treatment center? Yeah, you know, um, so we're, 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 I, I would classify it as a, a disability and rehabilitation program. Uh, mental health, addiction, pain. Uh, we're, we're really, we're about changing lives uh, and, and making big differences in people's lives. You guys keep going, I'll be right back. Sure. Uh, I don't think that... You know, it's it's uh, uh, an absolute addiction treatment program as much as it's an intense outpatient program to help people, uh, you know, stop whatever substance that they're using to uh, hide from their demons and their intrusive thoughts and the shit that they're going through. Uh, but the focus is always about the trauma. Yeah. And and so I'd love to call us a trauma center, but then everybody thinks of, oh, like after a car accident? Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. not physical trauma. Uh, so we, we've stayed away from that term because it's so confusing to people. So, yeah, a, a rehabilitation program. We're going to help people uh, get their lives back. And 
not get back to who they used to be, but develop who they can be moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that is the key. And then use whatever, whatever tool we can. Yeah. So if MDMA is that right tool, so be it. If yeah. ketamine is that right tool, so be it. <clears throat> and if somebody says, I don't want anything like that, I just want to do all the therapy, so be it. Sure. Like yeah. we're, we, I'm got not gonna, oh, we got that. We got that too. You we, can't. We got you can't that do too. That. You need the ketamine, man. Right. Right. <laughs> so yeah. we're we're very much, and you know, there was a mention like, how are cops going to respond to? It? We've met with so many agencies across the country and different police services. Uh, the response is always the same. You're going to help our people get back to work in in four to six weeks. That's amazing. And then, of course, the next well, but what about fit to work? You know. We, we don't want to give our officers ketamine. We, we don't give them cannabis. And it's like, time out. The data is pretty clear with ketamine. It actually improves cognitive performance because it removes the depression. But we'll fill you full of big pharma and just yeah. band-aid it all and, you know, just keep you working. Well, yeah. And it's not, not going to work. That's it's the other not part, working. Right? It's, it's not working. Our, our goal is you come in. Oh, it is working. It. <laughs> it's making a yeah, tremendous, yeah. it's making a tremendous profit. For that, sure. That is it true. is, it is doing exactly what the system is built to do, which yeah. is make fucking money, yeah. not to make people healthy. No, uh, you know, the, the whole idea behind big pharma is, you know, how many scripts can I get this person to fill? From the time they're born till the time they leave the planet. And it's the vulnerable that uh, get hit the, uh, the most. When you reach out for help, you're vulnerable. Yeah. Um, uh, well, the- and, and, you know, if you, if you, you know, if you talk this way, you know, I know because of social media, when I talk about medication, I just get fucking pummeled by people, you know, and it's like, uh, do, you, do you know what I do for a living? Do you know? Do you know how long I've been in this space? Do you know how many people I've seen? Do you know how many lives I've seen ruined because yeah. of this? Yeah. You know? And then they'll come back. Well, you got CTE. What the fuck is CTE? You know? <laughs> what, what is CTE? Well, it's supposed to be some brain injury that you have that's invisible that, you know. Right. It's like uh, several concussions. I'm, I'm perma- permanently concussed right. is what people mm. say. No, and I go, I'm fucking brilliant, smart fucking dude, so. If you want to have this debate, let's have the debate, you know. So I I worked at McDonald's as a kid. Um, There's no question that the fries I served uh, kill people. No no question (laughs) about that. Uh, But they're delicious. Yeah, no question that the burgers. uh, When when we were 16, my buddy put a a hamburger on on his bed. And, uh, you know, you've seen the, the Super Size Me. Same shit, man. That fucking burger never went anywhere. Yeah. Hard as a rock. Not one bit of mold. Yeah. Looked as good as the day yeah. I bought it eight years so, ago. <laughs> but was I an evil person selling those fries? I don't think so. I, I was just a job and yeah. I was surviving. And, and I think in pharma, it's similar. These are big corporations with a lot of good people working there. Uh, is their ultimate goal the shareholder? And hence, the ultimate goal is profit. For the shareholder, yes. Um, are a lot of the people who work there just people like you and me? Get, they've got a career and a job, and you know they they're just doing their job the best that they can. Yes. Is there some unscrupulous shit there? Fucking rights there is. Yeah. Just like McDonald's, just like yeah. liquor companies, just like bottled water companies, mm. just like you know that's capitalism. That is the world that we live in, and. Uh, 
I don't think anybody's figured out a better one. I, I mean, I certainly don't want to live under communism. I'm no. not into fascism at all. Uh, <laughs> the the so. only solution I can come up with is that nobody would ever fucking go for it. Well, maybe they would now because we're definitely sliding into communism hardcore, but um, is capped capitalism. Like there should be a cap yeah. on the amount of power yeah. that somebody can wield. Sure. You know, like somebody's personal net worth, put a cap on it. I don't know, 500 million. I think that's a lot. You can buy a pretty goddamn nice yacht for 500 for million. Sure. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I, I actually, hmm, we're going to go into politics now. Hey, okay. Uh, <laughs> Whoops. Well, I got I to I split soon. <laughs> so. All right. I, I well, you know what? Uh, uh, I was going to put a pin in it anyway. But um, uh, to to close out, do you have any questions about Newly or uh, no about that clinic? Or? No, I'm, I'm I'm excited to, yeah. to learn, and we're uh, going to bring you down there. And if sure. there's uh, some way I can be involved, that would be uh, that would be great. So, well, I'd like that, Theo. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll definitely connect. Um, look, uh, yeah. Anyways, we'll connect yeah. after. I'm, awesome. I'm pretty pretty stoked okay. about that opportunity, cool. and uh, I think that'd be great. And uh, excited to support, um, you know, Tango Romeo and, and what you're doing here, Mark. I think it's uh, it's fantastic. And I, and I think I'm never going to forget the story that you mentioned of the guy that had to game and then stopped gaming and, and was able to listen and now is preparing himself to go to treatment. Uh, you're doing some really remarkable stuff here. So uh, good on you. And I've listened to quite a few. I'm not going to say I've listened to them all because there's a lot. Uh, <laughs> but I've, I've been listened busy. to quite a few. And it's it's pretty pretty awesome what you do. And, and again, purpose, right? Yeah. So pretty it's awesome. It's all about, you know, we, we usually end up in the fields where we need the most work ourselves. That's That's how I see it. So, yeah, I'm still yeah. a hot mess, but working on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and there's nothing wrong with that. You yeah. know, I think admitting yeah. that you are is half the battle. Yeah, right. And, and that you're not ashamed of it. You know, yeah. there's, there's, almost got in a in a fist fight with an old man a month ago. So I, apparently, I still need some work. <laughs> For sure, we, we, we all we all need work. You know, yes. yeah. because this isn't this is forever. Like when yeah. I stand up on stage and I say to people. I'm in therapy for the rest of my life. You should see some of the looks I get. It's it's like, it's I, unbelievable. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's two types of therapy. There's that supportive one that keeps you accountable and keeps you doing yeah. the work that you're doing. And but, then there's the intense stuff. of yeah. But it's got to change from, uh, like it's got to transition, like from, from critical to maintenance yeah. to less maintenance because yeah. I don't need it as much, you know? Yeah. yeah. But, but we're know. always working on our spiritual stuff, sure. you know, and to me, to me, that's something that doesn't get talked about enough, right. you know, is the, the spiritual side. Because like I said, 10 years ago, when I really started to focus in on spirituality, that's when I've had the biggest gains and the, the most serenity, the most peace, the most joy is when I grasp onto that concept. I'm a... Uh... I'm a big fan of, of personal development and finding what works, yeah. finding yourself. And part of that is hugely spiritual. Yeah. Well, it's three, uh, right? It's physical, emotional, spiritual, yeah. right? And if you leave one of them out, you're going to struggle. 100%. Yeah. Theo, Rob, Menches, good dudes. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here, guys. Yeah. Uh, what us. a, can you believe that's almost two hours? I know. You know, it happened like nothing. It's probably the longest show I've done yet. But thanks, gents. Right Appreciate it. Cheers. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. That's a good tea.
we'll catch up. Yeah. Uh, did I get? I don't know if I have your email. So if if you can do that, sure. uh, I'd love for you to meet the rest of our team and stuff. Sure. I don't know if this is still recording or no. It's okay. off. Where, where are you? Where are you it's based off. out of here? Yeah, yeah. We're we're oh. in. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. Now I've got a favor to ask you. And I know everybody asks for the same favor, but it's really, really important. If you can help, do your little bit by going to Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating and a comment. That would be awesome. Also, on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, or whatever floats your boat and blows your hair back, please click follow. And if there's an option there for rating, please do so. And this is why. Every time you click like, leave a rating, leave a comment, what happens is that it makes it easier for other people to find this podcast. The help that you can't find doesn't help at all. So help other people find this so that they can help themselves. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as always, share, share like the sugar bear because sharing is caring.